Bibles again to Philippians chapter number 4. I preached Sunday night on rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. There's so much to unpack in Philippians 4. I taught through it in Bible college, and I just keep getting, seeing things, and God's showing me stuff. And uh, so... I try not to get stuck on this thing about the mind, but I try to go a different direction and God brings me back and I just keep dealing with it and dealing with it. And maybe it's for me. I don't know. The Lord's helped me in a lot of areas by the way I think about things. But God showed me something this week about worry. And uh, so I'm trying to show you Philippians 4, 4. We read this one Sunday night, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That literally means don't worry about anything. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, but no. The Bible said nothing. Hmm. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'd help us tonight to share the word of God, Lord, that you've laid on our heart. I pray, God, that your will would be done in the service God, maybe some others here to, like me tonight that spend too much time worrying, Lord, would you speak to our hearts, do a work in our lives. We'll thank you for everything that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What is it that causes you to push the panic button? Everybody's got one, uh, and some of you push it a lot more often than others. I wonder what it is that brings panic into your life. What it is that brings worry. What it is that brings dread. Maybe it's feeling out of control. I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. I'm a control freak. Now I'm telling you, if we're going out here and getting in a car and driving somewhere, I'm driving. Amen. I'm deciding where we're going. I'm deciding, hey, I like to be in control. But as the older I get, the more I realize there's a lot of things that, I do, that are not in my control. And sometimes thinking about things that are out of my control panics me. Maybe it's that some of you kids are worry or panic about getting a bad grade. Some people panic over traffic on the way to work. Others uh, have a strange kind of fixation with panic. They can't even really explain why it is they're panicked. They can't even really explain why it is that they're worried. And uh, so we push the panic button. Well, tonight I want to preach a little while, if the Lord will help us on unpushing the panic button. How is it that we can begin to disable this thing of worry in our life? By the way, worry is the opposite of faith. And the book of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so if I've got worry in my life, I am not pleasing the Father. 
Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about panic. Now, like most things in our life, and like I've been preaching and telling you, there's a physical and a spiritual side to worry. Did you know that deep within your brain is a little almond-shaped uh, clump of cells that they call the amygdala? And uh, it is responsible, it is responsible for all of the fight-or-flight reflex that's in your life. It's, uh, it's responsible for the, uh, it's the survival instincts. When you're afraid, it lights up. It's uh, literally this big, but it causes your whole body to panic because what happens is that uh, it causes adrenaline to dump into the bloodstream. It quickens the heart rate. It raises the blood pressure. It makes you react in a way that is not rational all the time. God designed our brain with that thing so that when we're walking on a trail and we see a rattlesnake, without thinking, we go, whoa, snake. Don't even have to think about it. Uh, and, and it just comes naturally. That God put that thing in our brain to drop that adrenaline into our bloodstream to help us make up our mind whether or not to fight or flight and to get out of harm's way. It's that part of your brain that when you hear a gunshot, you duck. That's the amygdala. It's that part of the brain that, that causes you to be able to survive in a lot of different uh, atmospheres. But the problem with it is, is that it's not very, uh, uh, it's not, it doesn't differentiate very well. And a lot of times what happens is uh, that we continually become panicked about things uh, and our amygdala starts to have the same response, I'm told, uh, it, whether it's a rattlesnake or a, uh, a conversation that you dread having, a conversation you've been dreading, uh, the amygdala doesn't differentiate between those two things. Uh, all it does is it sees something you're dreading, uh, and so it drops that adrenaline into your bloodstream, and all of those things start happening. Uh, now, if I'm on a trail and uh, my amygdala drops uh, adrenaline into my bloodstream uh, and it causes me not to get bit by a rattlesnake, that's a good thing. I, I can burn that adrenaline off. I, I can say, thank you, Lord, for the amygdala. I'm glad I didn't get bit by a rattlesnake. But if I'm going into a meeting and I'm nervous about it and it dumps all that adrenaline into my bloodstream and there's no way for me to burn it off, and I do that day after day after day after day, what ends up happening is I become stressed, I become tired, I become weak, amen, and I start start worrying about everything. I start feeling panicked all the time. And so there is a physiological side to your worry. It's literally a part of your brain. And it causes you to worry. Now, thank God, and everybody, going to get a little anatomy lesson real quick, and then I'm going to get into some spiritual things. But thank God he made the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the, it's the reasoning part of our brain. And so when they think of the amygdala kind of like your crazy cousin that's hyped up on methamphetamine. He's all the time going, ah, ah, ah. And the prefrontal cortex, God put that in your body to go, calm down, calm down. You get woke up in the middle of the night with a bump in the night. The prefrontal cortex, the amygdala says, burglar, burglar, burglar. Get a gun, run in there, shoot up the house. Oh, we got we to gotta stay alive. Prefrontal cortex says, calm down, that's the cat. 
The amygdala says, no way that that's the cat. Way too big of a, way too big of a crash. We done waited too late now, honey. They done in here. Just get up and jump out the wind. Prefrontal cortex says, don't do that, silly. What would happen to your family? Even if this is a burglar and you jump out the window, who's going to defend your family? The amygdala says, danger, danger, danger. Prefrontal cortex says, no, it's okay, it's okay. And so there's this constant battle inside your head. That's the physiological part of it. But what happens is, after a bunch of times, a bunch of times, how many of y'all, how many of y'all got so many problems, it's like playing a game of whack-a-mole? Which one you going to worry about today? Which probably continue, things continue to jump up, jump up, problems come up, all these different things come up. Oh, I got a new pain. Reckon what that is. Oh, 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 my chest is hurting. Reckon what that is. Got a headache, probably a tumor. All of these things start popping up. And you start living a life full of worry. Now, most of you know me and you know that I am a professional, well-trained worrier. I get it honest. My mama got it from her mama. Her mama got it from her mama who got it from her mama who got it from her mama and has passed down through the years. And we have perfected the art of worrying about things. And so I've got it. And I tell you, I, I worry about things to worry about. But I can say this. I'm attempting to be a recovering worrier because I have at least acknowledged I've got a problem. You see, you can't never get over anything if you don't acknowledge it's a problem. I have at least acknowledged that I'm wasting a lot of my life worrying and having anxiety about things that are never going to come to pass. I'm going to be honest with you and try to be open with you tonight. I have even privately struggled with anxiety, what I'd call anxiety. I've never had a full-blown panic attack. I'm not that kind of person. I, I, that, that, that would be out of control, and I can't stand out of control. And so I, I internalize those things and pace and don't eat and, 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 and walk the floor. But it's the same thing. It's that anxiety. It grips you. It tears you down. Some of y'all tonight are understanding what I'm preaching about. And it starts running and ruining your life. Now, a lot of you tonight are probably not like me. You're as cool as the backside of the pillow. Nothing ever upsets you. Nothing ever gets you stirred up. I wish I was more that way. But some of you are probably like me. Shake your little Baptist heads up and down. And you worry, worry, worry. Spending a lot of years in practically my whole adult life in emergency services, I've had a front row seat to everybody's worst day. Some of you that work in health care understand what I'm talking about. And so you expect the worst to happen every time. And some of you like me, just, be, just, just agree with me right here. You think if you believe the worst is going to happen, that whatever is better than that is better than that. Amen. And so you can smile about it and say, well, at least that thing I thought was going to happen didn't happen. Hallelujah. And so we get this worrying, and I've preached on that awfulizing. I'm not going to go back over that, but I've talked to you about that before. But aren't you glad that the Bible has the answer for everything? Amen. I'm going to show you something so simple tonight. Some of y'all are going to go, wow, that's simple. And then some of you are going to do like I did when I saw it, and you're going to go, wow, that's profound. 
Because I'm telling you, God's been working in my life on this thing of worry. And uh, I got these trips coming up. We're traveling more this uh, spring and summer than we ever have before. Ministry after ministry trips. and got one vacation planned. And so we got all these trips coming up. I, I'll, set, I'll catch myself worrying about that. I ought to be looking forward to it. But I'll sit and worry about the airplane crashing. I told Trey the other day when we all take off to uh, Israel, my sister and her, my brother-in-law and my nephew and my niece are going and me and Rachel and, and Gabe and Reagan. I told him, I said, if our plane crashes, you've hit the jackpot because the whole family is going to die at one whack. And you're going to get it all. I'm afraid he's praying for the plane to crash. I want to show you something, and I, I preached on it a little bit when we went through the life of Elijah, but I want to point it out again in 1 Kings 19. Verse number 4, 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. Elijah had stood up to Ahab again and again and again. But then Jezebel got mad, and, Ahab, and, and Elijah pushed the panic button. Why? Look what he says here. But he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough. In other words, what Elijah was saying is, I've had enough of this. Every time. It wasn't necessarily that he was any more afraid of Jezebel than he was Ahab. But all of these gophers keep popping up. All these troubles keep coming up. And finally, the man Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, got to the place where he said, I've had enough. He ran off into the wilderness, and he did something very irrational. He was afraid of dying, and then he ran out there, and he asked God to kill him. Elijah had got to the place where issue after issue had caused him to have a runaway negative thought. You know, when we get to thinking, a lot of times it's like a snowball, ain't it? A lot of times. It's bigger, bigger, bigger. Runaway, destructive thoughts inside of our brain, our flesh telling us things that aren't true. Are you listening to me? And worry begins to grip our souls. But I want to show you something from Paul, what he told the Philippians, and then we're going to look back at what Elijah did. And I believe it'll help you. I want you to notice what Paul said in Philippians 4, 5. In times when life is falling apart, in times when we've pushed the panic button, run away negative thoughts in our mind, we're losing our mind. We feel like Elijah. We feel like saying it's enough. What God said. Of course, verse 4, he tells us rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 6, he tells us be careful for nothing. But then he slaps verse 5 right in there. And look what he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. And here's the phrase I want you to look at. We looked at it a little bit Sunday night. He says, the Lord is at hand. So right before he told them not to worry, 
He said, Jesus is close. It's a, it's a simple thought, but it's profound. In the next verse, Paul's going to say, don't worry about nothing. And the statement he made right before that was the Lord is at hand. In other words, Jesus is near. Now I want you to look at I want you to look at uh, what Elijah learned. Of course, you know the story there, First Kings 19, after Elijah says, I've had enough. Go ahead and kill me. I'm not better than my fathers. Go ahead and do what this leave uh, this put back up uh, Philippians 4 5. We're going back there. He says, I've had enough. I can't make it. God takes him out on a mountaintop and he shows him an earthquake. But God's not in the earthquake. Then he shows him a fire, not in the fire. A wind, he's not in the wind. But where did Elijah hear God? In a still, small voice. So here's my thought. When we're falling apart, when we've pushed the panic button, when we don't feel like we can make it, figure it out. God doesn't speak in a shout. You know, sometimes I've caught myself standing in my, prayer, in my prayer place shouting at God. Maybe you've never been guilty of that, but I tell you, I've come to the end of my rope on some prayer objects in my lifetime and got in my prayer place and shouted at the Lord. But he's never shouted back. Because when we're going through those hard places, now listen, God speaks in a whisper. Elijah said, there's a fire. Surely he's in the fire. No God. There's the wind. It's got to be the wind, the earthquake. And then God said, Elijah, still small voice. God whispered. That's how I want you to start thinking about panic. When your mind is running a million miles a minute, when your heart is beating out of your chest, when your blood pressure is up and you're pacing the floor and you're manically looking for God, don't expect God to respond in a manic way. He'll respond in a whisper. Now, let me show you this. The first thing you're going to have to do if you're going to hear God in the whisper is you're going to have to steal your own mind. You see, the problem is we can't hear the whisper of God in our mind because the only voice we can hear is ours. And let's be honest, when we're panicked and when we're worried, that voice inside of our head is running a million miles a minute. Some of you drive all the way to work, can't remember getting to work because your mind 
is continually rolling that problem over. Maybe you're like me, you're a fixer, you want to fix everything, and so your mind is concentrating on how you can fix it. Uh, your mind is worried that in the pit of your stomach there's that feeling that you hate. Uh, that headache starts to come on, uh, and your mind is out of control, uh, and you feel like God's a million miles away, but he's not a million miles away. We're told here by Paul that the Lord is at hand. The problem is God's whispering, but you can't hear his whisper because your mind is filled with panic. Your mind is manic and running and running and running, and so you can't hear the whisper of God. Now you can call me psychologist, whatever you want to call me. I'm just telling you this works. There's something to be said about meditating on the things of God. How do you steal your mind? Well, the first thing it is, you've got to cut everything else off. Lay that cell phone down, cut the TV off. For some of you, the cure for your panic may be just to get by yourself Take you some good deep breaths, really breathe deep and slow. Allow yourself to relax a little bit and quiet your mind. I bought this thing to reduce my blood pressure. Me and Alan are both in this kick trying to reduce our blood pressure. I've tried it all. Beets, pomegranates, seven flower extract. I've done everything but smoke marijuana. Amen. That's just because I don't think that'd work. But I bought this thing called Respirate. And you put it on, put a band around you, and you put these earphones in your ears, and you turn it on. Y'all going to think I'm crazy. And it plays this relaxing music, and you, tell, and you relax, and you listen to that music. And when there's a certain tone, you breathe in, and another certain tone, you breathe out. And what it does is it slows your breathing down and makes you breathe deep. And you know what? I can do that for about three minutes, and I'll just about fall over asleep. I'm telling you, it's like, oh, I'm so relaxed. It's like, I, I, I can't explain how it makes you feel when it's over. It's like, oh, boy, I feel better. And you know what I've found? Lay it, sitting there on my couch listening to that. It's just tones and, and soft music. And listening to that, I start praying and getting in communion with God. I, and I start hearing from the Lord. Now, he don't speak to me over them earphones. Amen. Don't go out and tell anybody, I heard God over the earphones. But as my mind, Brother Marvin, starts to quiet down, then suddenly I can start to hear the voice of God. And it's not loud and he's not shouting. He's whispering and I have to I have to calm my mind before I can hear the voice of God your mind is out of control and it won't allow you to hear God guess who's in control of that though you are so you have to get to the place where you steal your mind where you say to your mind I'm going to relax I'm going to think about the things of God in the next few verses Paul will say whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of a good report think on these things if you want to hear the whisper of God in your life you got to steal your mind then the next thing that you've got to do is you must lean in what it says, the Lord is at hand. Now, if I'm this far from Billy, and I say, Billy, he's struggling to hear me. 
I say, now he may be a really good lip reader, but he struggles to hear me. If Billy really wants to hear me, what does he do? What happens if you're sitting on your pew? I've seen some of y'all whispering while I'm preaching. And here's what happens when two people are sitting on, y'all think I don't see that stuff, but I do. Sitting on the pew and you go to whisper, what does the other person do? He leans in. If you want to hear what the whisper is, you lean in. And suddenly what couldn't be heard from that far away. Hey, Billy, how's your day been? You think he knows what to do? Now you can hear everything I got to say. It denotes closeness. So if I want to hear the whisper of God and I want to steal the panic in my life, the very first thing I got to do is steal my thoughts. I got to take control of that. I got to slow that machine down. I, I got to stop that snowball from rolling. I got I to sit down, maybe turn the lights off, get in a dark place, <sighs> breathe deep, relax, shake it out a little bit, and I got to say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Speak to me. And then I got to lean in. I got to listen intently. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? In order, hey, the Lord is at hand. Uh, he wants us to get close. Uh, he wants us to hear what He's got to say. But in order to do that, you've got to lean in. How many of y'all still with your Bible reading? Very good. A few honest, few honest people. Some of y'all raised your hand and ain't really reading your Bible at all. That's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm still with mine. But can I be honest with you? I'm just being honest tonight. I got over there in Chronicles and I sped read. Some of Deuteronomy, I'm going. Just to get another page turned. That ain't leaning in. Leaning in is taking that book and saying, all right, Lord, I got my mind still. Now I'm going to read and lean in and listen for the whisper. So there's a leaning in, but then there's a listening with intent. You know, sometimes our problem is when we get overwhelmed, we engage in activities that move us farther from the whisper of the Lord. There's a listening intent. Now, I'm going to share something right here, and this is going to bust some of y'all's bubble, and then some of you, you're going to be like, oh, I get that 100%. It may be that you're praying for an answer, and God don't tell you nothing. Except, he may just say, in your, in your sinking moments, he may just say, it is I. Be not afraid. And that may be all you get from God. You may just hear from God, I'm here. <laughs> but Lord, I want to know what to, do about, what to do about this job. And Lord, I got this young and I'm praying about. Lord, I got this sickness I'm talking to you about. And I, I need to know. And all you hear from God is, I'm here. Here's the whole point of the message. When you ain't got nothing else, you don't need anything. When God's all you got, God's all, all you need. When God's all you know, God's all you need to know. 
Sometimes we just lean into him and we steal our minds a little bit and we try to turn that amygdala off and we say we're not going to have all these runaway thoughts. We're going to breathe and we're going to take a little time and we're going to pray and we're going to read our Bible and we start hearing from the, from the voice of God. We start hearing the whisper of God. But all he wants to do is fellowship. You say, that don't answer my prayer. It does. I'm going to deal, not next, I won't be here next Wednesday night, but the next Wednesday night I'm going to deal with praying and how that affects this whole thing because Paul talks about praying. You say, that don't answer my prayer. It does. You say, that don't fix my problem. Yes, it does. Because really your problem is inside of you. Well, that don't kill him, people I've been praying about to die. Well, that don't settle the score. That don't heal the cancer. Don't bring the youngin' back. It don't. What it does is it heals you. It brings you back. It gets you where you need to be. Fellowship in the Lord gets you saved. And that, in the end, is an answer to your prayer. There's some of y'all worrying about something to worry about. I'm we. Me and Melissa, we'd, we'd been there, done that. We thought we was the greatest at it in the world, and then we met Emily. We want all these things fixed. I want them fixed. Sometimes the Lord wants to fix us. Hello, it's God calling. He's going to whisper. He's going to whisper. wonder tonight how many of you walked in that back door and you had that feeling in your stomach. Fought it all day. Yesterday, I was mowing the yard. As I mowed across the front of the yard, there laid the cap for my clean out for my septic tank. And I thought, what the world? It's in my front yard. It don't belong there. I got off, got the cap, and there stood Coda wagging her tail. I said, you stupid dog. I don't know how, but you've unscrewed this cap and brought it. I don't know how you've done it. But. So I throwed it on the lawnmower. I thought, it's under my deck. And so I thought, when I go back by there, I'll swing back by and I'll put the cap on. Well, when I... Drove by the back deck, I looked under the deck, and it looks like a lake under there, water. And I thought, uh-oh. What had happened was, apparently that thing was just barely on there, and our septic tank was stopped up. And so it overflowed into that, into that, into that clean-out, and it floated that cap off. And you talk about a mess. Toilet paper and other unmentionable things. All under my deck. I didn't say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think exactly what I said is, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, I had a little old drain snake, and so I went and got it. I climbed up under there and all that mess. I run it down in there, and as I was running the drain snake, it's over. It's a mess. I mean, I don't want to gross y'all out. I hope you've already eaten supper. It's bad. And my drain snake wasn't long enough. 
So I had to reel that thing back out of there, climb back out. Went down to Pop's house. He had a big old drain snake, got that drain snake, and I went in there. And I got up under there, and I'm pushing that drain snake in, and finally I get to the clog, and I'm working it, and I'm being so careful not to get any on me, you know, but that didn't last long. I'm like, this careful business ain't doing it. So I'm splashing like a kid in a mud hole, you know, <laughs> holding my mouth as tightly closed as I possibly can, looking through little squints in my eyes, trying not to get it in my eyes. Oh, it's a, it's a great night. And I'd push it, and I'd feel it. I'd hit something, I'd pull, and it'd just bubble over. Oh, it's nasty. And I'd worked and worked and the sweat was running. At least I hoped it was sweat running (laughs) down my face. I didn't cuss, but if you wrote it down on a piece of paper, I'd sign my name at the bottom. I'm working it and working it and working it. My head's busting. I know my blood pressure's out the roof because I'm mad and working and cooped up under a deck about this big and I keep hitting my head on the deck and stuff splattering everywhere. It was a good evening. Finally, I just sat back down and I looked around at my situation and I said out loud, I said, there's a lesson in this, ain't there, Lord? I said, uh, what, what am I missing right here? What are you teaching me here, Lord? And it came to me. I'd done, been studying on this message. And I said, Lord, maybe you're teaching me patience. Maybe I'm learning to lean. I don't know. But I said, Lord, if you would help me get this unstopped. And here's what exactly what I said. I said, this is a silly thing to pray about. But if I don't get this unstopped, I'm going to have to take off work tomorrow. I'm going to have to call a plumber. It's going to be a mess. I'm going to have to hunt a place to take a shower tonight because I'm going to have to have a shower. I said, Lord, if you'd just help me get this unstopped, I sure would appreciate it. And I'd like to tell you that as soon as I prayed that prayer, it went, but I worked it about three or four more good times. It went out. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pulled that back out from under there. I climbed out. I was wrapping that thing back up. My head's still busting. No telling what my blood pressure was. I'm wrapping that thing back up. And a thought come to me about my life. A lot of times I have a mess like that. A lot of times you do. You worry about it. That's like taking that thing. I'm going to get it. But you just get it all over you. I'll fix this, bless goodness. I'll fix this problem. I'll fix that problem. Your mind's going crazy and it's taking over your life and everything's running away. But all you end up with is it all over you. And then finally you learn to sit down and say, Lord, I can't do this. Still my mind and fix me. You say, I got a lot of problems I need fixed. Maybe the Lord's trying to fix you first. Lord's trying to fix you first. But you'll have to hear his whisper, Billy. You'll have to hear his whisper. Let's stand on our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to preach tonight. As much as I know how, I've just tried to share the word of God.
Lord, would you touch hearts in here on a Wednesday night? It's been a different service. Would you touch hearts? And Lord, folks carrying burdens, worries, anxieties in here tonight. I just pray, Lord, that you'd just touch their hearts. Lord, you'd use this message. Further, it's your kingdom. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. We pray.